Hello and welcome to episode 130 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is February 9th and together with Robert and Goran, we are here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello, everyone. Hi. So a few years ago, when I was still working at SAP, I had often discussions with architects and customers about events and event-driven architectures. At that time, we painted a lot of interesting diagrams, how events could drive a business, how implementing these events-driven architectures would change the way how applications work, how things would become more real-time or also more resilient from a business operations point of view. However, at that time, it was mostly theoretically. If I look back at the last few months, I have to say I see a huge shift. All of a sudden, customers are actually implementing these event-driven architectures. And now the question is more, how can this be done? Well, luckily, SAP and Microsoft have been working on a good integration of SAP BTP Event Mesh and Azure Event Grid for some time now. And we're currently having a better program running where customers can already experience the simplicity of integrating SAP events with Microsoft events. To help us talk about all of this, I'm really happy to have Karsten from SAP with us today, and I'm sure that he can show us some really interesting scenarios. But as always, before we hand over to him, let's quickly take a look at the news from this week. And Goran, both of us, we, we found um, yeah. the latest blog post from Ralph. Ra Ralph is unstoppable when he's going on Azure NetApp files especially in a database context. So basically he again pushed mm -hmm. yes for a, a SAP AAC context. So meaning yes, um, he showed, yes, you can use it uh, uh, as Janetta for the database for the AAC on Linux. And he did a full blown actually a setup how to do it, meaning including up to the installing the SAP system. Yeah. And spe specifically it's a very useful, exactly this database part and the database volume is basically which is used where the NF is used. So that's kind of quite, quite valuable. So again, ex extremely um, helpful. Detailed, yeah. Extremely detailed with, with, with many different, and this is actually what many customer partners are looking for kind of end-to-end -end scenario. Although it's not so, um, it's always challenging because things are changing <laughs> here and there. But still, it's so it's always good, to, advisable to check the latest documentation and the notes. But still, it's an excellent blog and very detailed. Agreed. And I think the next one was, um, yeah, uh, about the SAP on uh, Azure Oracle performance scripts. So basically, a lot of Oracle scripts. So basically, if there is a re GitHub repository link, so to say, yeah. uh, where where they are kind of. Um, they are placed and described many, many different, um, especially Oracle scripts used to collect uh, different information about the IO issues, the SQL statement, uh, uh, the long uh, background jobs, and then, then uh, which are used in the field a lot. And then basically just here they are shared with a broad audience. Very, I mean, these kind of stuff are super helpful and super practical. Um, warm and welcome to everybody try. So, I mean, it's not just the new that people are already kind of, they were using inside of the SAP on Oracle on Azure as well. Yeah, so nice. I think good. especially continuing with, with all the focus that we also exactly, did on yes. Oracle in our previous episodes, I think that's just another really interesting. Follow up, yeah. So yeah. interesting to see, mm -hmm. yeah, there are 
Oracle, big Oracle deployments on, with SAP on Azure. So yeah, this is uh, something to uh, support all those migration, troubleshooting, runtime, very useful, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, then moving on, um, Martin Repple released another um, very interesting blog post on identity federation with B2C, with Azure Active Directory B2C and the cloud identity um, service. So, uh, yeah, you remember he, he wrote a lot of different um, blog posts in the past on, on single sign on integrating Azure Active Directory with the BTP, with the um, identity authentication service, and a lot of cool stuff there. But that was mainly on um, Azure Active Directory, and now he's extending this to, to B2C as well. And um, you know, Martin, uh -huh. it's very, very detailed. So again, step-by-step -step instructions how to do this. Okay. So I think also a really um, relevant blog post. <clears throat> then very quickly, I mean, I think, well, maybe not the whole world, but a lot of people around the world are talking about OpenAI, about the integration of OpenAI in different tools. and. Um, we talked about how Microsoft is is leveraging OpenAI now more and more. And yeah, just two days ago, there was a big announcement that now um, OpenAI or the technology of OpenAI is now embedded also in, in Bing and Edge. And uh, yeah, here you're co-pilot for the web. And the reason why I'm um, mentioning this is, is not so much, I mean, obviously I'm looking forward to these new functionalities and um, also the, the, the other integrations that we have announced um, on OpenAI, but especially also again in our collaboration with SAP, similar like what I mentioned um, last time, that Christian Klein um, talks about um, the, the power of OpenAI and how um, SAP is already working closely with Microsoft on these things. Um, just uh, recently there was a blog post from Thomas Sauer Essig about OpenAI. So, so I think it's very clear that, yes, I mean, Microsoft is doing a lot of things in this area, but I'm sure um, you can expect some some really cool scenarios also on the SAP side that really leverage OpenAI. So I think that's a really hot topic at the moment, and I'm I'm really looking forward to some of the scenarios that we'll also then see um, from the SAP side leveraging OpenAI. Then um, one shameless advertising for um, a roadshow where I'm also um, participating. We have a roadshow on SAP and Power Platform. So how can you use the, the Power Platform in the context of SAP? We have um, a tour in Munich, Cologne and, and Hamburg. Um, so yeah, starting next month, basically. We also have a lot of partners there that talk about their implementations. So if you are in Germany, um, if, you, if you are available on one of these dates and in one of these cities, I would be very happy to, to see you there. Good, and with this, um, I actually have the, the perfect bridge to our topic today. Um, PVN and a lot of other colleagues actually um, uh, from, from a team in India at SAP have published a beautiful blog post series um, on event-driven architectures. And you might remember we had Uma on the show um, a, a few yeah, weeks ago where, where, where she talked about the um, implementation. And um, this, this blog post series here really focuses on um, yeah, what can you do with events? Um, what can you do with the events that are on the SAP side and connecting them to the Microsoft side? And um, it's it's a really nice flow. So so there, there are really some some interesting deep dives to to the different topics. And then obviously, yeah, similar like what, what we heard, Uma then also talks about the final step basically then of how to integrate um, events um, also in Teams so, so that you can react uh, on, on, on SAP events also directly from Teams. 
So check this out. But if you want to get um, or if you want to understand what it is all about, what these um, events and event driven architectures are all about, then um, stay on because now um, we have Karsten here on the call. And Karsten, maybe you can quickly introduce yourself, what you're doing at SAP. And then, yeah, I'm looking forward to the presentation that you have prepared. Yes, and I thank your hurdle. The hurdle that you have given me is already high. And that's the goal to make you really understand end to end what event driven architectures are about at SAP in general and what's so special about them. Quickly, as for me, um, my name is Carsten Strobmann, based out of Waldorf, Germany. I've been with SAP more than 20 years now, very, very long time. And more than uh, 20 years? I didn't know. More than 20, wow, yeah. So long. Yes, very, very long. Actually, cool. like it so much, that's just why. Yeah, and, um, yeah, these days I work on event-driven architecture. I'm the lead product manager for um, SAP Event Mesh, which is our event broker service and um, SAP integration suite, advanced event mesh, um, which is the enterprise grade offering that offers a little bit on top of, of event mesh there. And you will see that in a minute when, when I go over the slides, when I when I introduce you to the topic. Um, without content, without consumers, none of this works. So the brokers alone without content, it's like having roads without cars. That simply doesn't work. And um, yeah, with that, I think I can get started by yeah. sharing my screen. And um, yeah walking you through what I what I have here. I think Holger just started by sharing a few blocks. I will just share one. If you're interested, everything I'm going to tell you obviously is described in blocks already as well. So this one is a good starting point. SAP's event-driven ecosystem, really talking about everything that I will share now. And okay, we'll now, put the, the link in the in the show notes. Yes, that I think that makes sense because it really talks about things end to end. What do I want to do with you today? I would like to give you an introduction quickly to event-driven architecture. So the basics, then I would like to look at SAP's event-driven ecosystem. It's quite big these days already. So we will just touch the surface there. Then a few event-driven use cases. What can you do with, with, with event-driven architecture? And um, event-driven architecture in an SAP perspective is still different from the way other vendors use um, event-driven architectures. You know, we have this strong business focus, and that is, that's a huge differentiator. We'll get to that later on. The road ahead, all we're talking about is just the beginning. There's a huge potential between this real-time event-driven, behind this real-time event-driven approach and um, yeah, putting the pieces together will, will, will be an evolution for, for some years to come even. And then we'll quickly look at how we work with, with Microsoft, with Azure specifically there. The blog for the the web um, the, this this uh, this webcast is called SAP on Azure. You will understand that it's not only SAP on Azure there; it's Azure on SAP as well, because we're able to exchange events, consume events from SAP backends on the Microsoft side, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And let's let's switch over to the right hand side. 
because that's a that's a very important point. If you remember only a single picture out of what I will be showing you, let it be this this iceberg on the right hand side. Event mesh, event grid, advanced event mesh, whatever broker you take, is just the tip of the iceberg. You need content there. You need this ecosystem that powers the infrastructure. And you will see why this joint by this joint working on things, why this collaboration with Microsoft is so important, because we're really increasing the ecosystem there. Mm -hmm. And with that, let's try to get started with the basics in respect to um, event-driven architecture. So what is an event? An event is a significant change in state. And I typically start with this nice little example on the right-hand side, a spider's web. And you do see two significant changes to the state of the spider's web here. A bug has ended up in the spider's web and a leaf has ended up in the spider's web. These are events. There's an event consumer in the picture. That's the spider. The spider sits in the spider's web and waits for significant changes to happen. It's a very efficient concept if you think it's true. And the spider is a, is a very, is very smart there. Um, the event broker in this picture is the spider's web. It informs the spider of significant changes of events via vibrations. And then the spider can decide on taking action. So it will probably ignore the leaf. It will immediately take action in respect to the bug that has ended up in the, in the spider's web. And that's actually a notification event. So notification events are very small. You see one from an from a S4 system, from an SAP backend system at the bottom of the slide. So business partner has changed there. Here it contains minimal data. And if an event consumer would like to take action here, they would have to get additional data typically using an API call. So mm -hmm. notification events, small informs, an event, a notification event informs of a change, of a significant change, and then you have to take action. Data events is in the end the second kind here. Data events are much bigger and they contain all the data that you need. So um, you don't have to go for that additional API call. You receive the data event and you can immediately react and and okay. and and um, take action without having the API call um, back. Event source in our world, obviously it's typically S4 systems, success factor systems, other SAP backend systems. Um, so these are in the end the, the, the basic concepts here. One, one sidetrack here, the event that you see down there is in a format named cloud events. So this is an initiative driven jointly forward by a number of big players, including SAP and including Microsoft. And the idea is that events are described, described in the same format so that you can exchange them. Cool. So, so is there is a standard? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. There, there is a standard. Yeah. Yes. Before you continue, you know I'm a huge fan of your um, spider's web basically because I think it really depicts the whole scenario of of events in in a beautiful way. And and I, I really like this that yeah you are the spider sits in in this web and it, it just see, it feels the vibration and just think of what would be the, the alternative. The alternative would be that um, that like this this. 
um, pull-based um, approach where, where the spider would need to run around all the time and check if there's something new, is there something new, is there a leaf, is there a bug or whatever. But with this event-driven, and I think that's really this huge change that I see um, with, with customers now really changing their their, their business models or their, their, their architectures, that it's not, well, I have a schedule that queries my SAP system or my success factor system every five minutes and sees, is there a change? Is there a new employee? Is there whatever? But now they're notified. The spider gets notified. And I think that's that's why I really love this analogy that, that you always bring um, with the spider's web. Actually, I mean, the spider's web, some people don't like spiders. So why, that's why I keep it a little bit high level. If you really think it's true, first of all, in the real world, the spider does not sit in the middle of the spider's web. It sits on the side because it does not want to get eaten. So it's safer. This approach really from a security perspective for the spider is more efficient. Second of all, Holger, the example that you were just bringing forward, there are spiders that hunt differently. Those are really on the <laughs> ground and they are, it, it's true, hunting spiders and they chase, they chase um, their prey. And as that, it's, it's way more dangerous for those spiders. They always have to check, oh, is there some prey around? Is there some prey around? So much easier in this approach here. And I was actually looking at the at the details when I was was moving this, um, I was picking this this example and was moving it forward all the time, because it holds true in the real world, even if you dig a little bit deeper. Cool. I didn't know that you are such a spiders expert, but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't before. But that example was just so fitting, and I like to at least check on the basics if I talk about this. <laughs> so I was like, okay, in the real world, and yes, the hunting spiders. There's a higher risk, and they really have to take an effort. Cool. So this is why I like that approach that much as well. Good. SAP's event-driven ecosystem. I think we can keep this short. On the left-hand side, event-driven architectures come in in the end from microservices architectures, where you loosely couple um, the, the 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 different microservices, where you loosely couple software components where you take advantage of better scalability, of buffering, and, and, and. So there is this technical, this, this architectural aspect. What SAP adds on top is the real-time aspect. So business real-time. Something happens, and you can immediately react to, react to it. That's a, that's a slightly different focus. And keep in mind, our backend systems um, they are so, so important for most companies that the events that they fire are really high quality events. Mm -hmm. And that is one aspect. Um, the other aspect um, is simply that we really go beyond vendor boundaries. So it's this cloud event perspective. It's not only about connecting microservices, it's really connecting the IT world being open there and making sure that you can consume events um, from different from different vendors. And honestly, I'm still looking forward to getting Microsoft Teams events, for example. I would love to have that. Yeah. And um, yeah, putting the pieces together, that's a that's a that's a really good um, opportunity there to do it in an event-driven way. Mm -hmm. And basically this existing standard, as I understand, is makes the life easier for everybody, so to say, in order to exchange that and understand it and not need it. You do not have a need to translate them, so to say. 
That that is exactly the goal. Let's be realistic. Over time, I mean, there will always be some some event mediation in the picture um, where you where you receive a notification event. You want a data event instead, and and and. So there are some hurdles that you have to cross. Nevertheless, the events are described in the same way, and um, yes, that is exactly the goal to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. So. Quickly highlighting the points here, technology, loose coupling, fault tolerance, incremental growth. So this DevOps development approach where you start developing it and you click in additional um, components, um, additional services, microservices over time is quite nice. And overall, it allows for this for, for new kind of real time integrations and extensions. That's the technology perspective. What is more important to me even is the business side of things. So you can go for completely new business cases that are absolutely real time. Something happens and you can and you can react. And quite often, I mean, we're talking about milliseconds here in which you can react to to a change somewhere. Um, most of the time, um, you don't necessarily need those milliseconds for the for the business cases. So five minutes quite often is enough. Nevertheless, you got the opportunity to go for those business cases and you can base your business decisions on completely up to date information. Um, you can save money. You can hyper automate your business processes, improved reaction time, lower costs. And as I said, the vendor boundary topic is the is the big one to me because it really means you can put the pieces together and and integrate them very well. Now, and that is one of my favorite examples on top of the spider's web. And um, I love it because in the end, it was a customer that was that that was really. Um, using the right term there that was really using the right words. We want our ERP to be a team player. Mm -hmm. Typically, if you have backend systems, they do their job. They are typically integrated in a way, um, typically using traditional approaches, more classic approaches. If you would like to play rugby like in like in the picture and assume that not player number four is an S4 system, and player number eight would be, let's say, a success factor system. It would really help if they would be very closely inserted in real time. So player four would immediately know what player eight is doing. And the guy that is about um, to, to, to catch the ball right there, um, he needs to know what's happening. And event-driven architectures help a lot here. And I do believe that all the things that you say in sports, that they fully hold true. Player skills multiply. So if you really act as a team, you get way more out than just looking at the backend systems um, by themselves. And in the end, it's this teamwork that's going to win championships. And then especially, I, I, I like this analogy, but, but it's not only about S4 and success factors, but then it's also really exactly about um, S4, success factors, teams, yes. outlook, uh, so, so the whole yes. Microsoft ecosystem as well, and really exactly. playing together. Exactly. Now add Microsoft into the picture, and your team is a lot bigger. And actually, Holger, maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to add a few more yellow players in there, 
because all of a sudden your team is much bigger and your chances of winning are a lot higher. So specifically, if you know what, what everybody else is doing and you act as a team and act as team SAP and Microsoft there, that's yeah. one step further. And this is actually team SAP. I don't want to go into, into the full details here because it's already quite big. So on the, on the left-hand side, you see our event sources. Over time, we have added more and more um, event sources here. As for HANA Cloud was pretty much the front runner. Um, there you do get notification events. Um, I think currently we have 502 standard notification events that you can just switch on in the backend system. Um, ECC, we provide an event enablement add-on where you can add, where you can create your own custom events. s hana on-prem um, provides that as well. And um, s hana on-prem has the notification events there as well. There's a new approach that was just released where you can build custom events in s hana and over time, um, we will have extensible standard events there and more and more and more. So the numbers are growing because, as I said earlier, it's the content that really counts. Then it's mm -hmm. success factors, field glass, CPQ, and, and, and. So a number of event sources there. Eventing structure in the middle, I was mentioning SAP Event Mesh as our event broker as a service. Um, Capacity-based pricing, pretty much with a strong focus on the SAP ecosystem with a really good integration, still going beyond crossing over into, into um, across those vendor boundaries, really making sure that you can share those, those events with Azure Event Grid, for example. And then there's Advanced Event Mesh, which is the enterprise great um, offering there you can build full-blown event measures around the globe um you got advanced filtering advanced tracing and, and, and lots of more features on the event consumer side integration suites um a number of business technology platform services um Kima, our serverless offering and 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 there are two things that i want to point out quickly the sap backend on the left-hand side, we're talking about the backends as event sources. On the right-hand side, SAP backends can be event consumers as well. So this holds true for S4HANA Cloud and S4HANA On-Prem, as well as ECC and S4HANA using the add-on. And then, and I think, Holger, you can, <laughs> you can immediately add to that, Azure Event Grid can be an event consumer. Um, we've been working on the better program there. So events originating from, from S4HANA there, they can make it all the way to, to Azure Event Grid and can be consumed there. And at the bottom, I always forget about that part, there's lots of know-how, transfer material, uh, missions which are ready to run projects and so on. And now it's gonna be the interesting part, <clears throat> use cases. So what do you want to do with it? And I already guarantee you probably during the last days, you have already experienced or seen an event-driven architecture in action. So um, there are a few industries that are in the end the front runners, and it's the ones where you need real-time information, availability information, for example. So if you go and check on the web, um, if 
a product that you want to buy. It could be a chair or a table um, is in store at a, at a, at a, at a certain um, store that you want to buy at. Quite often, it's updated in real time using event-driven architectures. Um, that holds true for retailers as well, where this is happening. Um, supply chain topics. So there are some of our customers that are tracking their entire supply chain in an event-driven way and based on changes in that supply chain. A delay, for example, mm -hmm. um, all the way downstream updates are happening. So the delivery date for the end customer is updating based on the raw materials arriving in, in the factories and so on. So quite nice, quite some options. And um, this is not only customer experience. You can save money doing yeah. doing this, taking but, that approach. Yeah, but these these scenarios actually must be a real time. I mean, in order to make sense somehow. Right, uh, something yes. is late, so you have to really quickly react, you know. So, uh, I mean, SAP itself, it had the name R, two R, three, meaning real time, mm -hmm. but the point is it's inside of the system, and here the challenge is across the different ITs, you know, systems or environment, and that's really exciting, I would say, totally. That's exactly the point. I mean, the, the one thing, and you were mentioning the older SAP backends, Yes. Um, it's 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 always interesting to talk to um, people that have been working with SAP systems even longer than me, because there have been eventing capabilities built into the backend systems already, already decades ago. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference now? The difference is that you form a mesh and that you really move these events out of that backend system into other backend systems, into other event consumers, onto mobile devices, crossing vendor boundaries, and so on. And it's all happening at a completely different scale. Yeah. So it really takes it to the next level. And yes, you've perfectly, perfectly summarized it there. Customer experience scenarios um, are quite interesting as well. Um, if you're if you're flying somewhere, you might have noticed that you're now get nowadays getting updates, which mm -hmm. gate to go to, mm -hmm. and so on. All of that is powered in an event-driven way. And this is one thing I understood um, quite lately because I was looking at the customer experience part when I experienced it myself. It was more about well, it's really really nice um, to that I receive those updates. What I understood though. Lately, when I was flying, there's customer guidance in this as well. The flights were never late because you absolutely made sure that customers are at the gate in time, that they bought in time, and that the flight leaves in time. Yeah, so there's yeah. a certain there's a certain guidance, a certain steering process behind as well. And then a very common one: data distribution between backends. So making sure that the that the data is made available. Um, in data lakes, for example, or in other back backends, if it's updated in real time. And my favorite example, because I experience it quite often, SAP runs SAP. So our car fleet just went live um, with a digital vehicle hub. In the end, what you got is a digital twin of your car. And we have events originating from an S4 system that get triggered. So every time that I get gas or that I charge my car, 
there's an update happening and my digital the digital twin of my car is immediately updated and this holds true for other data as well and yeah in real time oh, cool. and well, yeah it's it, it's quite a nice scenario and then, um, you an, then you have an app or something like that where you can check or where, where you can track this information or? yes Actually, you can. Nice. Yes, you can. You can check. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about obviously if you think it's true that that our um, car fleet is able to track the the state of your car, what's going on with your yeah. car. There's a there's a certain environmental aspect to it as well because I can specifically look at um, how much gas I was using and yeah. um, how things were affected there. Um, so yes, I can look that up. Um, we got we got tools to do that. Cool. And colleagues are quite happy with it. Nevertheless, all of this is just the beginning. Most customers, if you would have asked me last year, are on the top left side. And to me, this is like a this is like a lodge out in the Norwegian wilderness, and you just have a few events. The lights can get switched on, can get switched off. The jacuzzi can be full, empty. The water in the jacuzzi can be hot and can be cold, and you fire events with that. You don't need too much infrastructure there. You can set that up quickly, and operations is very straightforward. Some customers last year, year before, were already down there in the Swiss or Austrian mountain village. So you can see that there are already more events that can get fired. You have a structure in, 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 in um, this event-driven landscape. Um, there are parts where the, where the event sources are positioned closely together or next to each other, and then there are other parts where there's no event sources at all. But in the end, it's, it, it's a mesh, and it takes more effort to operate this. You have way more events that you need to structure. Um, you need to see how to do that. Over time, this is still going to be a smaller event-driven architecture. And as that, I think this year, more and more customers are mm. moving um, to, to that level. So they are going there, they're looking at different topics now. On the top right, you have a big city. And this is just Frankfurt. It could be New York City or it could be Tokyo, so much bigger even here. It's not only event-driven architectures that you will be using. Yes, there will be way more events. There will be more structuring needed. The event sources are a lot bigger and, and, and. Nevertheless, this you will be only able to handle if you combine different approaches. So you have to combine classical integration approaches, more traditional integration approaches with this event-driven approach. And this is in the end where SAP is heading. Um, on the left-hand side, you can see our event sources, so the on-premise backend and the business applications in the cloud. The road we're taking there are extensible standard events. So the standard events that you have, you will be able to adjust and then switch on. So you can um, send them as notification events, as data events. You can adjust them specifically to your needs. And for all the backend, that's still going to be the add-on that we're offering. Mm -hmm. For S4 on-prem, it's this REP-based um, approach that, that we're tra taking, RESTful upper programming model. Cool. And business applications, again, same story, extensible standard events, and there's going to be a certain SAP to SAP event integration running behind the scenes as well. 
Then there's going to be integration suite in the middle, which is going to offer event brokering, which is going to hold. And I mean, it has always been been doing that. The the the, the classic, um, the more traditional integration approaches. Those will obviously be there, and you can use them in combination with with um with event brokering. But as well, there's this bridge. This bridge to third party and. It's about crossing vendor boundaries into Azure Event Grid, for example. So mm -hmm. via integration suite, you can send the events over to um, Azure Event Grid. And as said at the bottom, advanced event mesh for high volume eventing for more demanding scenarios. This is in the end a, a high level view of where we're heading. And I think, Holger, that's your favorite picture. It's the iceberg from the beginning, and now it's two icebergs because we do have event grid on the right hand side. We have event mesh on top on the left hand side, and then it's all of a sudden a much bigger ecosystem. And I think we, if we really want to pick, would want to picture this correctly, probably would have to connect the icebergs at some point in time, even below the surface, because it's really going to grow together and will 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 provide a very big eventing ecosystem there. And I think that that's really for me the, the most powerful thing that we are doing um, at the moment, because um, if you look at the the huge yeah, SAP ecosystem, if you look, look at the huge Microsoft ecosystem, and if I just start with a with a Microsoft developer, the, the Microsoft developer is super happy, knows Azure functions, knows how to develop applications, knows how to um, use something like the um, Microsoft Graph to to get some information from different um, sources and, and stuff like that. And and he or she is, is really happy um, working there, but they in a lot of cases have no idea how to access an SAP system, how to get events from an SAP system. I mean, look at look at some bigger companies where the Microsoft team is completely separated from the SAP department. So, so it, it's really complicated to bring them together. Now with this bridge, with this connection and I think if, if we start and, and that's what we have done obviously um, to connect event mesh with event grid then we, we have this first bridge and, and all of a sudden the Microsoft ecosystem just to, to pick one, one, one example all the developers there they can stay in their environment and all of a sudden they not only see a Teams event or an Outlook event or an, an, a document has been uploaded event but they also see the business partner event they see an employee has been onboarded in success factors or changed the role in success factors or a purchase order is delayed or something like that. All of a sudden, um, the, the Microsoft ecosystem can very easily without additional training, additional education, they just see another event in their eventing queue and they can consume it and do stuff with that. And I think that's for me really this extremely powerful thing that we have done now by, by connecting B2B event mesh with um, Azure Event Grid, bringing them together. That's for me the, the, the huge value that we are providing here. Yes, I fully agree. And um, make me smile a little bit because in the end, we've been discussing this for, for years already. Um, you have different teams in the company and sometimes I think moving the events over, making sure you can access, access those is, is one step. Then having the teams being able to work on something where they are not the complete experts yeah. is another step in an yeah. easy way. 
I believe it even takes there's even a third step there. There will be the point when the people working, and this is more like an organizational topic, I guess, when the people working on the on the Microsoft side, they will start talking to the SAP people at some point in time as well. So you're close, you're closing the gap there. That's going to help from an organizational setup the entire company. Yeah. So um and realistically, I mean, there's a lot of business know-how on the SAP side. So yeah. Bringing this together with the with the Microsoft know-how there in the company, that's going to be that's going to be a major step forward. Plus, as said earlier, you can go for completely different kinds of integrations of applications of solutions. Yeah. So yeah, cool. and never forget real time. That's another yeah. thing. I think we summarize it a little bit um, in respect to 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 what we were doing. So bi-directional event-driven integration between the SAP and Microsoft world. Standard event sources and worry-free event exposure. Mm -hmm. And supported by both SAP and Microsoft. And yeah, you're avoiding the pitfalls of do-it-yourself solutions or non-standard solutions. So it's really standard events on the SAP side over time and on the Microsoft side as well. And what I like, there's a clearly defined handover point. You have certain submeshes. Um, there are still some advantages of using event mesh inside of the SAP ecosystem because you always get something on top there. There's a really good integration there. There's tooling that works perfectly with it. Assumption is that it's the same in respect to event grid on the on the Azure side, on the Microsoft side there. Nevertheless, you bring this together, you have your clearly defined handover point, you can go for monitoring and tracing there. And in the end, you do get openness, control and focus at the same time. That's why, what I like. And again, it's open standards. Yep. So it's yep. really well, cloud yeah. events. So maybe sides. maybe you will come in the next slide, but I'm generally interested also one question about this uh, SAP integration sweet what is that in the background where it runs what is uh, the sap integrate the sap yeah let's go on um the integration suite is in the end an sap offering with all kinds of integration options so more classical um options as well to integrate not only the SAP backend systems, the SAP world, but it goes way beyond um, the SAP world. So it integrates um, the the outside world as well. So in the end, you could say it's a it's a suite with all kinds of tools and methods um, in respect to integrating SAP and the outside world. Right. I'm just meaning that basically whatever powers this event SAP event mesh. Um, runtime is that a cloud service running in the BTP or it's what? SAP Event Mesh is in the end um, running on the BTP, so it's an event it's broker. It's an it's it's an well, how do I word this? So in the end, it's a it's an event broker as a service. So there's infrastructure running behind that takes care of the eventing. There is this um this software as a service layer that you can use to um, create queues, to um, configure 
what kinds of topics you're listening to and um yeah that where you can in the end um configure the connectivity to different backends where you can can configure which events or make it into into um into the event mesh which events get 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 um um get consumed where and so on so but at the, the end, point is it is a cloud service yes it is a cloud so service. meaning you just consume you don't need to maintenance to do any kind of maintenance installation anything is just a cloud service you connect it and you use it right and that yes. makes the life extremely easy <laughs> extremely easy yes yes okay now 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 we got to the point and i think i will quickly unshare so that i can see you a little bit better move you over from my other monitor um so yes it's a cloud service and the goal behind it is to have it as easy as as, as possible exactly, so sap yeah. operates it um it's very the the hurdle to get started is extremely low, low that's yeah. exactly the purpose that's exactly yeah. the purpose of event mesh there Super, super, and that—that's one. I always say, always important aspect. When you have a cloud service, life becomes easier because you don't have to install, you don't have to patch it, maintenance. I don't know because that's you could have functionality in even in something which is not cloud service, but the overall operational cost maintenance is just extremely high. The the hurdle it's much bigger. So cloud service, it's ideal it's really ideal as it should be so super makes sense maybe just to, to to round this up and to show you how uh easy it is to set this up um, okay. i mean I, i'm not going to to through the whole setup but uh, we created a bunch of of videos that that really guide you from scratch without having anything i mean you of course of course you have your s4 system and um, that that's basically the only thing and you have a btp and an azure subscription how you can then um, send events uh, from your S4 system into into Azure or, or, for example, in Teams. And you can see these are all fairly short videos. So within uh, yeah, roughly 30 minutes, and, and they, I, I think I didn't even speed up anything. So this, this mm -hmm. is really live, real time. Um, you can easily set this up. So if you are interested in, then check out the blog post from, from, from Karsten. I think there's, there's also some, some information since we are still in a, in a beta phase right now. But then going through the whole configuration, and as you said, Goran, these are all um, cloud-based services, so it's it's really yeah you need some some subscription to to log in, but then it's it's just a, a few steps of configuration and you're done. Super. Good, Carson. I think uh, that was a great overview of event-driven architectures, and especially obviously also the. The integration with Azure Event Grid. I think, as you said, we are just at the beginning. Um, we already have um, quite a few customers in the beta program participating, also providing good feedback. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to the GA because I think um, there's there's definitely a lot of demand out there, and our joint integration will definitely help customers. Yes, it will. And as said, I truly believe in the in the um, cabin in the north in, in the Norwegian <laughs> wilderness and in the Swiss mountain village and in the in the big uh, big city story. This is the beginning. This we'll will get, get there, to, exactly. This, this this will get really really big over time, I believe. Super, perfect. It makes nice. life easier for everybody, including yes. the SAP itself, because when you think there are so many. New products like success factors, which has nothing to do with the ABAP 
as an example, <laughs> meaning you have to integrate them somehow in an easy way as well, right? Yes, so that is, is cool, that right? is that is one of the challenges we have yeah. these days, integrating our different products as well. Cool. Yeah, and to wrap things up, actually, you know, I always look around when I when I when I when I do things in, in the real world. You might have noticed that already from the examples. Now I have installed a surveillance cam for my for my house. And the idea was like, okay, somebody approaches it, I can I can watch things. And it fires an event every time it, it detects a motion now, which is nice, but I don't check on it too much anymore because there's a recording of it. So there's a video recording. What I do learn from this though is that I that the events that I look at that they have changed. At the beginning, when the camera was brand new, it was like, oh, some somebody's moving, somebody's walking on the, in, in our backyard, and and and. Nowadays, it's like, oh, the mail has arrived. So oh, I yeah. know when yeah. I have to go to the mailbox and get the mail out because I know when they when they typically deliver the mail and if there's an event happening, yes, I can react to that. And the same about the trash. So if somebody picks up the trash mm -hmm. and I know, ah, this has happened now, so nothing to worry. So what I'm trying to say is the events are changing. They are getting more granular and yeah. you find new business cases. Cool. So it's really as I said, it's just the Exciting. beginning. A, a beautiful closing example how events uh, can impact us in, in, in the real life. Yes, and Great. how they make your life easier. And make the life e our lives easier, absolutely. Cool, Karsten. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all your insights and your um, your presentation. And I'm sure once we are GA, uh, we'll we'll see each other again here on the on the webcast. Yes, I would love to. Thanks for giving me the chance to to talk about event-driven architectures. I love doing that. So thanks a lot. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Thank you. Okay, great. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye.